July 3rd. We are underway this hour on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts, and we are underway on the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Ask how a restricted key system can keep your business safe, even through employee turnover. Visit CalgaryLockandSafe.com we're coming at you downtown in our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. It's a Monday, July 3rd. Tuesday is when we usually speak to our NHL insider, Frank Saravalli. But because Tuesday is the U.S. holiday and uh, Independence Day, we thought we'd give Frank the uh, the July 4th off. So do it on this Monday. It's time to check in with our NHL insider, Frank Saravalli. Brought to you by South Trail Chrysler. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit South Trail Chrysler. Chrysler.com, and we check in with Frank now from Daily Faceoff and DailyFaceoff.com. Mr. Saravalli, how are we on this Monday? I'm good. Was that a, do we have a Ryan Pike sighting in studio Pike today? Is, Pike is right across from me. Pike, say hello to the legend that is Frank Saravalli. Frank, I feel like I haven't seen you in days. I also I feel like it's I haven't seen forever. you in days. Yeah. yeah. Last time I saw, last time I saw you. I you out. I, I did. I did run into Steinberg. We did crack a couple beverages. Didn't see you out in Nashville. He had the, he had the significant other with him though, so he was being a good boy. Oh, so you literally brought sand to the beach. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say the last time I did see you, I was uh, I was of sound mind and clear mind. Other times. Not as much, but the last times I did see you of sound mind. Did you, uh, you survive? Did you enjoy draft 2023 in Nashville? I did. Uh, I was a little too hot. Um, yeah, but was, other than that, it was, it was very busy. Like it's, it's one of those weeks that no matter how awesome the location is and how much I want to let loose, I, yep. just, I don't really have the ability to do so. Cause I, first off, I'm, the the anxiety is is legitimate and and two i just there's too much to accomplish like i can't get through the day starting out being half half buckled and uh i'd I'd love to let loose but as soon as i could airport on the way home uh saddled right up to the bar there and uh began my journey back and uh, also ran into the Flames contingent then, so it was good to catch up. Oh, nice. Good, good. Um, well, what uh, what do we make of the Flames so far in free agency? Is we're now a little bit more than 48 hours into 2023 free agency as we speak right now. Pretty, uh, pretty quiet as expected, hey? Like, I don't think anybody was expecting the Flames to be making big splashes in the early stages of this year's free agency period. Honestly, all like on the whole, a little bit surprising how quiet it's been because there is still a lot lingering out there. And I don't mean from a free agency perspective, you know, as agents make the rounds in Nashville, I don't know if there was a less popular guy than Craig Conroy when it came to having meetings because they don't have any cap space. Mm-hmm. 
there's no, you can't sign anyone without cap space. The Leafs at least have something up their sleeve with either a buyout or trade or LTIR for Matt Murray that they can then execute to get to where they need to get to. The, the Flames, they don't know exactly what the course of action is yet for Lindholm and then what happens next with Hannafin and and everyone else on the list. Like, There's a whole lot to sort through, and to me, the action – if we get some, we'll be on the trade front. So what are we hearing right now in Flamesland, and specifically on those two big ones, Elias Lindholm and Noah Hannafin? Honestly, it's been pretty quiet. I think I was even checking in over the weekend, is there anything going on with Dan Vladar? Is there a chance that he could be on the move in, in short order? I think the Flames are looking to get a second-round pick in return. But now you look through the goalie market and there's very few places that have an available seat open. Um, So that becomes difficult. With regards to Lindholm, my understanding is the Flames have not gotten an answer yet. I don't know when that's going to come, how long it's going to take. Um, They've made their pitch, their play. They desperately want to keep Elias Lindholm. And we already know the answer on Hannafin. It's just, is the calculus, depending on what happens with Lindholm, mm-hmm. is the smart play to just bring him back and and have him play out the contract year and see how the team does? It's uh, it's an interesting one on the Hannafin front because uh, you 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 know like you you know he is not going to sign beyond this coming season. So you know what the mm-hmm. inevitable future is. But it's also such a huge deal. You've got a GM, as you mentioned, with not a lot of cap space. And the entire NHL knows what the fate of Hannafin is. And, you know, Team X might really want Noah, but they could say, well, we can take a shot at him in a year's time in free agency and throw a ton of money at him. It, it, It does not make for the best leverage, which is why I think being patient and deliberately not rushing it on the Hannafin front makes a lot of sense if you're Craig Conroy in the Flames. Yeah, and same thing with Backlund. Like, with Backlund even being a bit older, there's even less sort of trade value that exists. He's way more valuable to you if you're the Flames to play out this year and then potentially just shake hands and and give him a hug and say goodbye after mm-hmm. all this time. That, I think especially if your mission and mandate is to be competitive. You know, I've been sort of stressing and and pushing this idea from the moment that this news came out that, you know, there could be a lot of influx with guys entering the final year of their deal. Force them to put the onus on themselves to perform. Like, I don't think this idea that you should be scared of a player entering the final year of his deal that he might walk What's wrong with just having a guy play out his deal? The flexibility of that and what you get cap space-wise on the other end is fantastic. And second, if the team isn't, isn't playoff bound and struggles, you're going to have some tremendous trade value chips on your hands then that people will be happy to use them as rentals and still allow them to walk. So I think... The, the tables have turned a little bit. It feels like Craig Conroy and the Flames have taken back power and control, which is important. The players still have all the leverage when it comes to making a deal. 
And that part isn't going to change because they basically all have de facto no trade clauses and complete and full no trade clauses at that. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, just slow play it until you understand exactly what the landscape is like first with, Lind- yeah. with Lindholm before addressing anything else. So in your, like, from what you understand, the doors, as, as much as Lindholm is indecisive, and I know a lot of people in this market are like, well, because he's indecisive, that's your answer right there. But from your understanding, no. door's not closed on him coming back. That's kind of how I, that's what, that's what I'm led to believe is that, yeah, the guy is actually making a decision. He has not slammed the door on, on signing with the Flames. If he has, I would have told you. Yeah. I would have just, I would have reported it and said, he's told them he's not resigning. And they are optimistic that they can convince him. Now, here's the other part of that that I think is really important to acknowledge because I've heard some of this floating out there and I wanted to address it. Yeah. There seemed to be some sort of speculation that, oh, because he's not decided that the Flames are going to have to pay their way out of this and give him $10.5 million a year in order to make it work and to keep him. There's still a ceiling here. As much as they want him, there might be a little bend, but there's no going to 10 or 10 and a half million bucks. Just not happening. Yep. Um, and so they recognize that. I think, I don't know if the Lindholm camp does. They know that it's going to be expensive. My guess is somewhere between eight and a quarter and eight, seven, five, and probably more toward the eight, seven, five than mm-hmm. eight and a quarter. And it's, there's no way getting around it that it's going to be expensive, but there's still a limit as to what they're willing to pay. Last point on the flames before we hit some of the rest of the league here. Um, Matthew Phillips signs in Washington. Seems like, you know, he gets to follow his AHL head coach, Mitch Love to the Capitals, who's going to be an assistant there Mm -hmm. next year. Uh, And also, this is a frustrating year for Matthew, and I know Daryl Sutter's no longer with the organization, and that was the main hurdle for him playing in the NHL, but I just, for a lot of guys, sometimes after a year this frustrating, a fresh start is is important. I'm curious as to your read on the Phillips situation and also what you understand in terms of what the Flames have the table on the table for him to possibly return. Yeah, so I was unusually curious about Phillips and the situation because there aren't a lot of group six free agents that pop that are interesting. And there certainly aren't many that come up in this role that have made as much of an impact as Phillips has at the AHL level. Like you're talking about back-to-back years in top 10 scoring. And you're talking about a guy that is continually counted out because of his size. And so I can't tell you how many people around the league were chirping at me, free agents, agents of free agents, because I had Phillips in my top 50 of my, my yeah. free agent board. And the reason for that is, first off, I'm a believer in his potential, and I think he hasn't been able to scratch the surface because he hasn't been given an opportunity to. And the second part is, I just want to see it happen, like meaning – I'm not rooting for him, but I want to see if it's, if he can't make it and he can't crack the lineup and be a regular contributor, then so be it. But I don't have to remind flames fans where Marty St. Louis started his career Mm -hmm. and how that played out of a guy that was, you know, probably fair to say is a little bit even more slight than Marty St. Louis was. Yeah. Um, uh, So teams are interested 
And what the Flames put on the table was opportunity. Um, think about the guys that aren't coming back, Lucic, et cetera. There are roster spots that are open. Mm-hmm. And they basically told him this is a different regime, different coach, different GM. It's going to be totally different here, and we can give you all of the opportunity that you want to come into camp and earn a spot. But they also didn't exactly put their money where their mouth was in terms of doing that because, yes, they offered a two-year deal that was more than what he got in term, but it was a two-way deal to start, and which means, you know, would have had a different salary when playing in the minors. And two, um, the second year was a one-way, which was nice. So in the end, they were offering more total dollars. But I think the idea that you could go somewhere like Washington where you know Mitch Love is a believer in you and is going to give you every chance, it's one thing to believe that you know, and, and go and, and do it. And it's another thing to try and sort of wrap your brain around that same opportunity coming in Calgary. Mm-hmm. As much as people are telling you, uh, it just kind of feels like one of those things, like maybe I've been there and done it before and lived it, whereas I can go and get a totally different, fresh start with a familiar face. We're chatting with Frank Saravalli. He is our daily face-off NHL insider, joins us every week here on Flames Talk. Overall, now more than 48 hours into free agency, just uh, your overall feel. We have not seen It was not the world's greatest free agent crop to begin with, but not a lot of big term deals so far. Just your overall impression of free agency now that we're more than two days in. Yeah, term was at a premium. I was really surprised to see someone like Tyler Bertuzzi, the number two guy on our board, pivot and sign a one-year deal. Um, And it's crazy because as much as term was at a premium, guys like Pierre Engvall and Scott Mayfield still ended up getting a massive um, premium on that term. Seven-year deals, like, some of the longest handed out in the entire period on an abs team that really is on the fringes of the playoffs and now is essentially quadrupled down for the next four years with this same core and roster. I I don't get it. I don't understand it, but I kind of, there's a couple of things that struck me about this weekend. One, the limit in term Two, just how prudent everyone was for the most part with their dollars. And look, there's going to be bad signing. Um, you know, I have some real question marks about what the Detroit Red Wings are doing. And, you know, there were curious sort of contracts all over the league, but for the most part, there was, there weren't any like egregious errors that you can't recover from later. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was important. And I thought too, the fact that, you know, we're more than 60 players of our top 75 have signed. And and so many of them went on the first day that it was like, even this year where I thought it wasn't the top 10 that was interesting. It was really like anywhere from 25 to 75 where you could find value and bargain bin buys for your team to improve on the margins that teams really seized on that and wanted to make sure that they didn't get left you know, poking through the list on July 15th, trying to scrape at the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. So they they put their sights on it, and they went out and did it. 
Who's uh, who's still out there? Who interests you the most, or a few of the names that are really interesting that do not have contracts or who have not made decisions? What are we hearing in terms of some of the names that are still out there, Frank? Uh, Matt Dumba is one. He was in the twenties. He's a defenseman that I think <clears throat> is best described as a kamikaze pilot. Uh, he swoops through the neutral zone, and he's either going to absolutely take your head off or he's going to blow right by you and you're going to walk in for one of the most glorious scoring chances of your life. That's a big reason why he's lingering, but also the physical traits and attributes are all there. He has the ability to be a true impact defenseman in the league. I think he needs to reinvent himself and to see him sign a one year, two year, short term, short money deal makes all the sense in the world because I think he's one of those guys that actually has the ability to come back in a year or two and cash in again at a much higher number. I'm also really curious after watching the workout videos of Patrick Kane, and I don't think that's coming anytime soon, but, you know, November, December, take your time. If you're him, you can see how the the season starts, see which teams are really good, see where you might be able to fit. And it's not going to be about term or money, but to see him work his way back from this hip surgery in a way that really no one has before, Mm -hmm. if someone can do it, it's going to be Patrick Kane. And I just love to see him at the peak of his powers again, because he's such a special impactful player and Jonathan Taves lingering on the market. Could you imagine the two of those teaming up somewhere together next year for a million and a half bucks total. Yeah. Like it's, it's entirely possible to think that some team could find room for both of them. What you, you mentioned a little earlier talking about Toronto and Brad true living's plan. Like he's got a little bit of uh, he's got something up his sleeve to figure out the, the cap situation in Toronto. They've added Ryan Reeves. They've added Tyler Bertuzzi. They've added Max Domi and they've added John Klingberg. I'm just curious as to your thoughts on uh, trees first free agency period as the GM of the Maple Leafs. Uh, I think it's been interesting. I think, he thought he was priced out of a lot of different markets. Like they took a big swing at Bertuzzi with term um, right as free agency opened. And then they kind of found out pretty quickly that they were going to be outbid. But then once it came back to the spot that he was in, where he had a few more attractive offers in, in total term and dollars, but they weren't really with teams that had a chance to win or contend that he came back and seriously entertained the idea of going to the Leafs on a one-year deal. And, you know, Klingberg, I'm not entirely sold that that's a smart bet, but I could see why you'd make it given the right side of their defense. And I just think when you look at Brad Tree Living and the flame and the, not the flames, I know. the Leafs now, <laughs> um, you, you, you can see the flexibility that he has because this thing with Nylander has dragged on for a while. And I don't think that they're at a dead end yet, but I think that they're certainly um, – it, it hasn't been great. Let's put it that way. Okay. They seem to be pretty far apart. And if you want to trade William Nylander now, just from a pure math perspective, 
Domi plus Bertuzzi would seem to cover off a lot of that production. So if you needed to and you wanted to trade him for a young right shot defenseman to try and change the look of your team, you could do it. Mm-hmm. Or you could just bring back Nylander and, and play out the final year like we were just talking about. And you now have Bertuzzi, who's better than Bunting. And you've added Klingberg. That's probably the same as Justin Hall, if not better. And you've added Domi to the mix. Like, I I just think they've worked themselves into a really smart sort of no-lose position where no matter what you want to do next, trade Murray, buy out Murray to be cap compliant, trade Nylander to be cap compliant. There's a million paths that they can go down that I think one of the big concerns for Leaf fans was how is this team going to be any different knowing that a lot of their core pieces were coming back and we still don't have that entirely ironed out yet. Mm -hmm. But even if they do, I can tell you now that they're going to feel different based on the pieces that they added. And last one for you. Um, What are we hearing on the future of John Gibson in Anaheim, who at times can be one of the top goaltenders in this league? I know it hasn't been that way the last couple of seasons on a really bad Ducks team, but uh, what are we hearing on Gibson and his future in Anaheim? Yeah, so I reported a few weeks ago that Gibson had asked for a trade, and I think it's a pretty stern request, if not demand, that... Look, he's a, he's the frustration has set in, and I get it. It's got to be really hard to show up to the rink every day knowing that you basically have no chance to win and that you're going to be pelted with a ton of rubber. And I get where the, the Ducks are at, adding Gudis, trying to change the culture a little bit with Kalorn, adding some veteran stability, and they still have money to spend because they're not at the floor yet. They have six million to go just to get there but at the same time he's kind of stuck you see how difficult it is to trade hellebuck and how thin the market is and that's for a guy who has won a vezina and been a finalist twice out of the last four seasons gibson's numbers are obviously way south of that and his contractual you know issue isn't as difficult as Hellebuck in the sense that he's not going to be getting paid eight and a half to nine and a half million bucks. But nonetheless, the term and the number make people uncomfortable because they're also not really sure what they're going to be getting. Yep. Is this a guy who played on a bad ducks team and his numbers suffered? Or is this a guy that still has, you know, elite capability in him that, I, as much as everyone would like a resolution to this, I don't know how you find one in an easy manner. Be interesting to watch. That's a really fascinating situation in Anaheim. Uh, good stuff, as always, Frank. Really appreciate you switching to today so we could accommodate you on uh, July 4th on Tuesday. Have a great Independence Day, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, as always, Frank. My pleasure. Have a great week. You too, man. Frank Saravalli, he is our NHL insider from Daily Faceoff and dailyfaceoff.com. And he's brought to you by South Trail Chrysler. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit southtrailchrysler.com.
You're locked on Flames Talk, only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Monday edition of the program continues. The Flames have made one move on this Monday, signing defenseman Brady Lyle to a one-year, two-way contract. Let's uh, find out a little bit more about one of the newest members of the Flames as Brady joins us now on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline as we continue along on Flames Talk. My name is Pat Steinberg. Brady, appreciate the time this afternoon. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Uh, thanks for having me on. I'm super pumped to uh, talk to you and the fans and uh, give you guys a little more, more about me and what I can bring to the team and the organization. Yeah, that's awesome and, and happy to have you. Well, it, it sounds like you're pretty fired up. Tell us about, uh, tell us about signing with the Flames. Uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited. Like I said, it was a bit of a whirlwind couple of days with stuff going on, trying to figure out uh, where chips are going to land and... Uh, Obviously, I kind of felt like this would give me a good opportunity to uh, further my career. Felt it was a good fit after talking to uh, Craig and Brad. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I feel like I have for myself where I can have uh, some serious success. So I'm really excited. So what about the fit? What about the organization excites you? Why, why were the Flames the right choice for you, Brady? Um, I mean, organizationally, uh, up top especially, obviously they have some pretty uh, strong players on the right side, on the back end, and, you know, kind of guys that I model my game after a little bit or look up to and whatnot. But uh, in the same sense, I feel like, um, you know, it's a team that might be going through a little bit of a transitional period, and if uh, things were to go a certain way, I might be able to, you know, make that step in the NHL and kind of have a good opportunity to get my first uh, first couple of games in up top. Who? Uh, it's interesting you say that. Who are some of the guys that, that you look to and, and model your game after? Who are some of the guys on the Flames that you really like? Um, I mean, in uh, back in the OHL, I think it was my first year. Um, I was playing in North Bay. I remember playing against Rasmus Anderson and Barry and thought he was a heck of a player and... Uh, someone that I kind of liked watching him make his own kind of create angles for him to get shots off and his uh, mobility up top at the point and just overall as a player, someone I really looked up to and uh, Mackenzie Weger as well. Those kind of two guys obviously have had great careers and have been uh, super successful. So yeah, those are two guys that I kind of have been trying to emulate my game. So uh, did you uh, do you know anybody on the team very well? Do you have any connections on the group right now? Um, no, not not uh, really connections. I played a little bit with uh, Dan Vladar when he was in his last year in the Boston organization in Providence. He was a little bit uh, up and down between Boston and Providence, but we spent a little bit of time together. And then uh, with the Wranglers, I know uh, Ben Jones. Okay pretty well from uh growing up in the same area um playing together in summer hockey and uh playing against each other in the ohl as well and then uh part of the training staff in uh calgary with the flames i know uh, james borelli i used to uh work out with him and train with him in the summers when he was a part of the north bay battalion organization uh 
uh, he's an awesome guy and uh, someone that I've been keeping in touch with still to this day. So that was kind of cool to make that connection. That's awesome. Well, okay, so you are you're an Ontario guy. You've played in North Bay. You've played in Owen Sound, uh, and then you've been out east in the American League. So what uh, do you, do you know much about the city of Calgary? Do you know much about Western Canada? Um, I've been out here a couple times for some Hockey Canada stuff when I was younger. Okay. And, uh, from what I can remember, it was a beautiful, beautiful city. Uh, I remember flying in, can see the mountains in the background, and spent some time at the uh, Windsport facility, I believe it was. Yep. That was a pretty cool setup they had. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think... But other than that, I'm uh, uh, all new to the whole area. I've never spent too much time out here, but I'm excited to come and uh, check it out. So where are where are you right now? Are you uh, are you in Ontario right now? Where uh, where are we talking to you from today? A group out here. Um, it's uh, it's been good so far, and uh, yeah, just kind of been doing that. Okay, okay. We're chatting with Brady Lyle, who signs a one year contract with the Calgary Flames on this Monday. Defenseman joining the organization in unrestricted free agency. So, Brady, tell us about yourself. Like, if you were to uh, tell Flames fans what kind of D man are you? How would you uh, describe yourself to your new fans out here in Calgary? Uh, I would say I'm a two-way defenseman with a little more offensively inclined, I guess I would say. Um, I think I've got a pretty heavy shot, like to get it off as much as I can. Um, you know, try to close gaps in the neutral zone, use my reach and size a little bit to my advantage, and uh, just try to close off opponent space as quickly as possible. Um, feel like I'm all right moving the puck, pretty proficient in that area, and uh you know, just kind of willing to do whatever it takes to, uh, you know, do what's best for the team. You're uh, you're six three. You're you're about two ten, two fifteen. So you've got you've got size, but you you move pretty well for for a big guy. Yeah, I think that's something that I uh, I put a lot of work into. Um, my mobility is something that I kind of have put a lot of time into and pride myself on. Honestly, uh, kind of my edge work and agility is. Um, you know, I think it's pretty good for my size and, uh, something that I definitely use to my advantage, whether it be, you know, trying to close off guys or in the offensive zone on the blue line, trying to, uh, find angles for passes and shots and whatnot. So yeah, for sure. Um, how, how comfortable are you using that frame though? Like in, in terms of using that size and strength, is that an area that you're pretty strong into? Yeah. I mean, uh, it's definitely something that you need to do being a guy that's my size. Obviously there's lots of, uh, fast, quick, maybe smaller guys where you can gain an advantage using your bigger frame and, you know, playing heavy behind the net around the net in the corners, stuff like that. So yeah, for, uh, for sure. How, how comfortable are you playing your offside? You're a right shot. Are you comfortable playing on your offside? Yeah. The last two years I've spent, a fair amount of time playing both sides okay um i kind of i'm i'm comfortable on both sides uh for different reasons i feel like sometimes uh when you're dragging the puck to the middle of the ice coming on your offside it's easier to get shots off and find lanes that way um obviously it can be a little bit uh more difficult getting stuck on your backhand or trying to bring the puck across your body to make plays but 
I mean, I've, I feel like I put in a fair amount of time on uh, working on that, and I'm able to do it as well. We're chatting with defenseman Brady Lyle, signs with the Calgary Flames on this Monday, a one-year contract. Let's let's talk about your path to to pro hockey. Like you played OHL, uh, you don't get drafted, and then you go to uh, you go to Slovakia during that. Uh, I guess that would have been the pandemic season, right? What what went into your decision to jump overseas and go play in Slovakia? Well, at the time, I'd signed a AHL contract with Providence. And we weren't too sure what the AHL season was going to look like at that time. And I had been, uh, you know, anxious to get my pro career started. And I had worked with uh, some of the staff in Providence to try and find me a place to play overseas, as well as my uh, agent. And uh, kind of just happened to fall into my lap where I was able to go over there, get a couple games of uh, pro experience, spend some time in Europe and, uh, I feel like that ended up being a pretty good uh, step for me to kind of get an introduction into pro hockey. Obviously, it's not the same level as the AHL, let alone the NHL, but it was uh, really good to play against, you know, grown men for the first time and get acclimated to the speed, which might have been influenced a little bit too by playing on bigger ice and having more space to close gaps and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it was a cool experience, kind of came out of the blue and, uh, was a good start to my pro career. So how long were you over there for before you got the call that the AHL starting up and, and you're coming back to play with Providence? It was, it was super brief, actually. I think I played six games over there. I was maybe, uh, I was there probably for three weeks to a month max. Um, but, uh, I mean, it was, it was enough time where I was able to get acclimated and able to, uh, you know, feel comfortable and, it was honestly really, really positive experience. I was treated uh, really well over there and uh, had a blast. So you come back to the American League that same season and you you kind of hit the ground running. How how comfortable were you jumping right into AHL hockey that year? Yeah, I mean, at that time, I think I just kind of fell into a, a great fit kind of unknowingly. Obviously, being on an AHL contract in your first professional season you're never really sure what to expect how things are going to go and uh you know i think i just i was really focused uh was able to prepare myself appropriately and uh was able to have some success right away and kind of parlay that into my uh entry-level deal that i signed with uh boston about uh, i don't know halfway into that season Mm -hmm. Where uh, where'd the offensive explosion come from this past year? You uh, went from 16 points with Providence in Springfield the first full season you played pro, and this year 31 points in 51 games. Like, why uh, why the big jump? You almost doubled your point totals. Yeah, I think uh, it's a little bit of a two-parted answer. I think uh, I was given a fair amount of opportunity this year, and... Uh, garnered a lot of trust from my coaches and was able to be deployed out in, you know, more situations than I had been uh, previously. And at the same time, kind of uh, was able to just build on my confidence. You know, I felt like it was a big year for me and, uh, you know, I needed to have, you know, more production and just kind of round out my game and just be an overall better player. And I had some success uh, early on and was able to kind of parlay that into, uh, 
you know, having a pretty solid season for myself. When you come off your best pro season, now you sign this deal with the Calgary Flames. You even talked a little earlier about how you, you take a look, you read the tea leaves. Maybe the Flames would be a, a good organization to maybe get those first few games of NHL experience in. So how how ready do you feel? I know you've yet to play a game, but like, how ready do you feel to make the jump to the NHL and, and start getting some games in at the highest level? Um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm uh, confident in the preparation that I've done in the past few years uh, leading up to this point where, you know, I feel like I'm as close as I ever have been and uh, I'm ready to, you know, step into a role where, you know, if there are guys who go down or injuries or they need someone who can, you know, be serviceable in the NHL, then I'm more than prepared for that. And, uh, you know, obviously that's the goal and kind of have to take things you know, one day at a time and don't want to get too far ahead of yourself. Uh, I'm just right now focusing on getting acclimated to the organization and uh, making a good first impression when I uh, do get to camp. That's awesome. Well, every uh, every time we talk to a free agent signing and you ask them about their summers, I feel like you've got about a one in two chance that they're going to talk about, yeah, I'm getting married in a few weeks or a few months. So what? Uh, any any marriages, like your, any weddings for you this summer? Or what does the rest of the summer look like for Brady? Uh, no, a little, a uh, little bit too early for me to be getting <laughs> married. I think, uh, but no, I'm, uh, you know, just in Toronto, uh, spending some time uh, with my family back home. I don't spend uh, too much time during the season up in North Bay with them, so I've gotten to see them a bunch, and uh, which has been awesome. And then, uh, other than that, I've just been, you know, training and trying to uh, get ready for uh, next season. Well, we'll let you get back to enjoying your summer, man. I really appreciate the time this afternoon. Uh, congratulations on the contract. I'm sure we'll see you out here in Calgary very shortly. And thanks so much for doing this today, Brady. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It was a blast. Great to talk to you. You as well. Be well, man. That is uh, Brady Lyle, one of the newest members of the Calgary Flames, signed a one-year, two-way contract with the Flames on Monday. He and Jordan Osterley, the two new additions to the organization so far in unrestricted free agency. He joined us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, 15-time Consumer's Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast for pickup or delivery. Call 403-248-3344. It's uh, Steinberg and Pike along with you this hour on Flames Talk. And hey... You know, it's uh, he's actually a pretty intriguing guy. When I went and I looked at those numbers, you're like, okay, yeah, big you, guy, you, skates, put you, up 31 points. And, All and, right. you, and you look at his resume. I mean, undrafted kid from the 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 O uh, gets an AHL deal, makes the most of it. I mean, you know, and and just even just the idea that you know, not knowing when the AHL starting up, he was chomping at the bit, gets to play some pro in Slovakia. I mean, you know, Martin Pospisil of the Flames uh, came out of that system. He played a bit there during. Uh, during the pandemic stoppage as well, it's uh, again we we we've, we've talked. Uh, we saw many strong Slovakian players come out of uh, the you know the that system of the last few years. One of them is just got drafted by the Flames in the first round in uh, in Samuel Honzik. Uh, Slovakian hockey's on the on the the rise, and uh, it's it's intriguing to see it become more and more of an option for these guys. And then you know Brady's managed to turn it into an NHL deal, so he he's. Uh, I don't think we've heard the last of him. He's uh, I'm intri- I'm intrigued by him. Right shot, can build up a little offense. He's a big guy. He's, I mean, he's probably destined to start the year in the American League. And but 
you know, we don't know what this blue line is going to look like yeah, between now and the beginning of the season. Well, so there could be some opportunity there. And and I think especially, you know, with Nick Maloche moving, seemingly moving on as a group six free agent, you know, the, the Wranglers will be a different group, but they have those three really promising young defensemen and Jamie Poirier, Jan Kuznetsov, and uh, Ilya Solovyov. And maybe they just mix and match guys. I mean, between him, potentially Dennis Gilbert, potentially, you know, uh, they just re-signed Colton Pullman uh, yep. the other day, and now Brady Lyle. I mean, that's that's a really interesting mix of guys, and, you know, I don't think they're done adding for uh, for the Wranglers uh, during the offseason. So it's uh, that group coming off of, you know, the, the best regular season, and I think it was probably the best regular season a Flames minor league team has ever had. Uh, I don't think we've, they've ever had a, a club that wins their league's regular season championship. Uh, so, I mean, they their expectations are high. I think I think if you're a young guy, you know you know the expectation is to be really good in the regular season, at the very least, and it seems like they're bringing in guys that will help them do that. Um, the Flames have said goodbye to four members of the organization. Um, Lewis, Lucic, Stetcher, and Matthew Phillips. On the three veterans, I asked Craig Conroy on Saturday after we knew that Troy... Trevor and Milan were signing elsewhere. This is what Craig Conroy had to say about saying goodbye to some of his uh, UFAs on Saturday. I talked to Milan. I talked to the agents uh, of the other guys. And just, you know, with the way we're going and what we're trying to do here, it just, I mean, they were great Calgary Flames. They came and they were good pros and they did a great job. But, you know, with our situation and where we're trying to move forward in the future to get some of these younger players an opportunity, uh, as good as they were, we didn't uh, feel they were they were a fit at this point, which makes sense, especially up front, right? Like, I think it was pretty clear. As good as Lewis was as a flame, as good as Lucic was as a flame, both guys in their later thirties as unrestricted free agents. I think both sides knew turning the page and and going elsewhere was was what was best. Flames wanted to get a little bit younger. Lewis gets to rejoin the team he won Stanley Cups with. Lucic gets to rejoin the team that he won a Stanley Cup with, and both guys started their career there. It's a pretty cool little side plot in the whole and, thing. And Stetcher doing the same thing, going back to the Sun Valley. Yep. Well, and, and Stetcher's a little bit different, but I just like it was pretty clear that Lewis and Lucic were going to be going elsewhere. They've got more young forwards than they do young defensemen that are kind of pushing for NHL jobs. And so had they re-signed one of Lewis and Lucic, or Lucic rather, it would have made it a little bit difficult or more difficult for a, a younger forward, whether it's Zeri or Pelche or Coronado or somebody else, Hanzek, who knows? It just would have made it a little bit more difficult to put a young player into the lineup if you had a guy like that coming back. So not going down that road made sense. Yeah, and you know, I, and I think the the tone Craig got in his answer is probably the perfect tone to have. I mean, you know, what I I think, especially you know, Trevor Lewis, really useful penalty killer, was a really good uh, guy to have for some of the younger guys in that room uh, as they were learning to become pros, but. You know, same with same as Milan Lucic. Milan Lucic, you know, coming in from Edmonton and just being able to just enjoy hockey. He looked like he was having a blast. And I think, you know, uh, I imagine when he comes through with Boston, there will be a few folks uh, shouting Luch uh, from the from the stands yep. every time he hits the puck. And you know, as someone who came over, you know, as someone who came over uh, from Edmonton. Maybe he wasn't quite sure what to make of Calgary, but you know he's probably I, I think a borderline cult hero just for how good a job he did. Yep. In sometimes you know being being a depth forward, 
especially with his price tag. Kind of a thankless role, but I think he really embraced it uh, in those last two or three seasons, and it it seemed to work out pretty well. But I think you can spend uh, the cap hit a little bit differently, uh, especially when you got the the raises that they doled out last year to the to guys like Ladar and Weger and Huberto. Money's got to come from somewhere, and if you're looking to give ice time to the likes of potentially Coronado, Zari, Pelche, and so on. You need to give them a role, and I think that opens the door for that. Uh, on the Stetcher front, one-year deal, $1.1 million back with Arizona, the team the Flames acquired him from at the deadline. And I, I don't think the Flames made a big pitch to bring him back. From what I understand, Like I don't think that there were a, a, ton of, a ton of talks, and that's not because they didn't want to. I just think... Stetcher and Osterley are a little bit different. Osterley's a little bit more of a depth guy that I think you could, like if you put Stetcher on waivers, I think Stetcher gets claimed. And this is no knock on Osterley, but I think that you've got less of a chance of him getting claimed on waivers if you feel like the American League is where he needs to go. So I think with Stetcher, just because they're waiting on a Hannafin trade and that's backing up up a little bit, they've got decisions to make on Zadorov and Tan. They got to keep themselves flexible. I think they were just waiting to see what they could do on stature. And to Troy's credit, he had an opportunity to go back to a place he loved that gave him a good deal. And he got seven figures on it. So yeah, Troy ended up signing there. I think it would have been neat to keep him, but I understand the Flames not like like wanted to keep themselves flex keep themselves flexible when it comes to bodies on the blue line so they don't jam themselves up if all of a sudden a Hannafin trade comes to fruition. And then there's then there's the Matthew Phillips point, um, and that one's frustrating. And not to say, I don't think Craig Conroy or the new regime did anything wrong. The Flames believe they put a really competitive offer on the table to Matthew Phillips, yep. but he felt like it was time for a new direction. He felt like it was time to go somewhere else. He followed his AHL head coach, Mitch Love, to Washington. The Caps yep. gave him a one-way deal. Yeah, the, the the prior regime, specifically, I think the Daryl Sutter put the Flames in a spot where I think they bungled that one. I, yeah, I really do, yeah. and, and that's that's not a shot at the new regime because there's nothing they could really do about it. But Daryl Sutter not believing Phillips was an NHLer and his refusal to play him despite pressure from Brad Living to get him into the lineup, it kind of messed things up. And and I, as much as Daryl's no longer here and that hurdle is removed. I, I still think it did some significant damage. And Mitch Love goes to Washington. Matthew Phillips has an opportunity to get a one-way deal there. I, I don't blame him for doing it. As much as yeah. I think the Flames did the best they could to try to convince him to stay. Yeah, it sounds like it was a, a multi-year offer to, to stay in Calgary. Uh, all, 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 all evidence we've been told about makes it sound like uh, it was a first year. At least the initial offer was a two-way for, for year one and one-way one for year, year two. two yep. It may have evolved from past that. I did not hear about subsequent offers, so I can't speak intelligently about that. But... Yeah, if, if you're Matthew Phillips and you have an offer from the Washington Capitals and the guy who coached you to back-to-back point-per-game seasons, you you he has not had as much pro success in his life as he has had under Mitch Love. He, there's no guarantee he'll be playing in Washington. He might be going to Hershey, but Hershey, I, I'm sure you will, are well, Patrick, uh, they just won the Calder Cup. Uh, yes. So he's either playing in the American League under, or in the NHL under his old coach 
the guy who got in point per game for two years, or he's playing in the American League on one of the historically great American League franchises, the one that just won the championship. Yeah, they don't so, laugh around in Hershey. They are, Her- they, yeah, it's, it's a and, very professional organization. And Hershey, PA, not a bad little place. They got Hershey Park. They got some little okay, some okay, tourist okay, stuff. All right. so, I mean, we don't need it's the, not a bad little we town. We got the Pike working for the Hershey Tourism Board over here. Uh, he's Ryan Pike. That was fun. <laughs> I do. I, your knowledge of obscure things. We'll they, never see. They have an amusement me. park next door to the arena. What Pat, on in that head is they have an amusement park. He can go in the bumper cars and then go to brain, practice. My brain is as twisted as it comes, so I res- just respect what goes on in yours. Yours is not twisted. It's very like linear. I just love the, I love the knowledge that you have up in that noggin. He's Pike. I'm Steinberg. He's on Twitter at Ryan and Pike. Our producers this hour, Garrett and Azam. As we continue along, and uh, this is the Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Ask how a restricted key system can keep your business safe, even through employee turnover. Visit CalgaryLockandSafe.com.